Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of There's a Family Bible. Uh, today we will be talking about uh, King David, one of the greatest heroes in the Bible. Uh, one of the most re revered figures in the whole Bible is King David. And I will say that if there were a person uh, that anyone would want to emulate other than Jesus Christ, David would be a great candidate. Um, and in 1 Samuel 13, 14, he is called a man after God's own heart, which is, prob which is the highest compliment, I think, that I've seen mentioned in the Bible of somebody. It would seem this would be right, yeah, it would re be right on par with Jesus saying, well done, or maybe just a little bit below, maybe. Um, David was a man whose life got interesting when he was pretty young, actually. Uh, he started off as a shepherd and at some point managed to kill a lion with his bare hands. As we can imagine, this was a feat that took quite a bit of skill and, and I'm sure strength. This would seem to go against a popular conception that David was a small guy, don't you think? David eventually became the armor bearer for, God, uh, for Saul while also still being a shepherd. He was, as the Bible says, a man with a ruddy complexion and was a good-looking guy. When the time came to fight the giant Goliath, King Saul did not look to David to fight him, but rather Eliab, David's eldest brother. So, it is here against Goliath, the giant, that David was able to demonstrate a great deal of courage because for one thing David was literally a youth and Goliath as the king had warned him had been a warrior since his youth um, but the Lord you know made it clear that David was to, to be the one to fight the giant so like I said David was in a contest against a giant who probably dwarfed everyone else on the planet at that at that time and David was wearing no armor, whereas Goliath had some very heavy armor and weaponry. As we all know, David took the giant down with a, stomp, with a stone and a sling, then finally cut his head off with Goliath's own uh, unique sword. Saul knew that David was going to take the throne, and when David killed Goliath, praise was heaped on David, saying that he had killed his tens of thousands, while Saul had only killed his thousands. And so jealousy began to overtake Saul. God was no longer blessing Saul's reign as Saul had disobeyed the Lord to the point to where God had decided David would be the king. David then received as a prize for killing Goliath, Saul's youngest daughter, Michal. So he was brought into the royal family. And an interesting insight uh, into David's character here is that he was actually offered the oldest daughter, Merab, but he felt unworthy of that honor, so he took McCall instead. David then ran into Saul's jealousy, surviving a challenge to obtain 100 foreskins of the Philistines, which he succeeded in doing. This was Saul's first attempt to kill David, and another attempt also failed. And things eventually got so bad between Saul and David that Saul essentially tried to use his son Jonathan to kill David, and failing Jonathan's cooperation he tried to kill Jonathan as well David eventually had to flee to a Philistine city called Achish and so David you know 
David was being pursued by a man he had helped by playing music when an evil spirit would torment Saul. We flash forward a bit to David's taking the throne. His king Saul and the sons of Saul were all killed in battle with the Philistines. We see in 2 Samuel 7 that after God had settled, uh, excuse me, that after David had settled in his palace and he was able to rest, he had it in his mind and heart to build a house for God, or built to build God a great house. We see that the prophet Nathan told him to do it, and or that, or that he should do it, and that the Lord was with him. However, God had other ideas, but the Lord did did make David an astounding promise, though, that on the throne of Israel there would always be the line of David. Someone from his family would always reign over Israel. We see this in Jeremiah 33:17, and we know that David's line includes Jesus. So what the Lord promised David, it promised is that David's descendant, none other than Jesus Christ, would forever reign. We can see from the Bible that, Dave, that King David was a man who was very strong in his faith and devotion to God. He was a man, as I have said, was who, as I have said, was after God's own heart. However, he was to succumb to a common temptation that all men face, and it was something he really set himself up for, as we shall now see. There came a time when his army went out to war during the spring. This was the time that kings went out to fight. David, I guess, like the other kings, would accompany his army into battle. However, for some reason, he did not, he did not do so this time around. We are not told the reason why. Maybe he had tired for a spell of the business of fighting. Again, the Bible does not tell us directly. However, it does mention that there was a day when David got off his bed as it was getting dark, so it may well be he had decided to have a period of rest, like a vacation, I suppose. David decided to take a walk on the, on the roof of his palace, and when he did so, he happened to see a beautiful woman who was washing herself. And I want to take note here for a minute of the fact that Bathsheba was not doing anything wrong. What she was doing here was she was undergoing her monthly uh, purification ritual, which the Mosaic Law required all women to do, you know, for their periods and stuff. Uh, it was King David who initiated the whole thing, had the woman sent for her and all that. The Bible mentions no effort on the part of Bathsheba to resist this situation, but it is probable she felt she had no options as David was the king of Israel. So here we have this great man of God, David, the king of Israel, giving a place for lust in his, in his life. He saw Bathsheba and had her brought to him. She became pregnant by the king. Imagine now her predicament as she may have seen it. Adultery was, after all, punishable by death. And her husband was at war. The man she loved, her husband, was at war so people would know that Uriah was not the father. David saw what a pickle he had gotten himself into at that point. But instead of confessing and repenting of his sin, he decided to cover it up with more sin. He tried to get Uriah drunk on a couple of occasions or or something like that and uh, he did this in order to persuade Uriah to go to his wife and that way it would seem that Uriah was in fact the father when he was not. After that failed he arranged for Uriah's death on the battlefield by having the other soldiers move away from him. 
and in, it was in this manner that Uriah was killed in battle. So David reached a point in his life where he not only committed adultery with a trusted soldier's wife, he also committed murder. He murdered the husband of he murdered, he murdered a woman's husband who loved her you know, this was a woman who loved her husband, you know, greatly, I'm sure. And the Psalms make clear that David was in total misery because of his actions. He pleads in Psalms fifty one for God to not remove his anointing on his position as king and elsewhere David reflects on how God was at work revealing to David his sin before he even before he even confessed it to Nathan the prophet what David did was he essentially crucified Christ anew and put him to an open shame this was before Christ came I know this but uh, his faith was credited to him as righteousness because obviously Jesus was going to die at a later date. His walk was God faltered and he gave the enemies of God great opportunity to blaspheme the Lord. David is not spoken of in this verse from Hebrews chapter 6, but I do believe he is an example of it though. Here I think is where the most outstanding example of just who David was is found. He was a saint who had placed his faith in the future of Christ and followed God, but he allowed himself to be overcome by temptation, and so his walk with God suffered horribly. But even after all the wrong he did, the Lord had mercy on David and allowed him to live. His sin was put away, as the prophet Nathan told him. This is what really makes me want to go back to King David. If I ever get to a point in my life to where I feel like I've really messed up, I say to myself after reading this, hey, if God's own guy, the man after God's own heart, King David, can do something like this, something much worse than anything that I've ever done, then surely, yes, God, you know, if I repent, if I confess my sins, God has already, God has restored me. That is so powerful. So very, very, very powerful. And we need to remember this. The blood of Jesus Christ has taken away our sins. So, but if we fall into sin like David did and we crucify Christ again to an open shame, our fellowship with God is not going to be good. But when we confess our sins, God will pick us up off the ground and wash the dirt and mud off of us. That is so amazing. So amazing. He was a saint, as I said, who placed his faith in the future Christ and followed God, but he suffered horribly, even though his sins had been forgiven. But even after all the wrong that David did, the Lord had mercy on him and allowed him to live. His sin was put away, as we now as we know. But unfortunately this did not end David's suffering. The child that was born from this adulterous union with Bathsheba died and his family was condemned to be embroiled in conflict. His son Absalom rebelled, temporarily assuming the throne and sleeping publicly uh, with his father's concubines. What David had done in private was magnified against him many times in public. David did this with just one woman, his own, but his own son Absalom did this with at least several women. However many concubines David had, I don't know, but he did it in a very public and humiliating manner. 
And the amazing thing is that even after all of this, David's role as an ancestor of Christ, as well as his reign over Israel, were both preserved. Uh, an interesting criticism of David's death, of David being spared death, by the way, is answered in the very law which would have condemned him. There were no witnesses to the crime, so barring a supernatural revelation from God, they would have remained unknown. Hebrew law required at least two witnesses for someone to be executed. So in the end, we have maybe the most admired figure in the Old Testament, King David, raised as a shepherd, become a giant killer, and then the king of Israel. He is a man who committed grievous sin and gave room for much blasphemy against God. Yet he confessed his sins and was restored to fellowship with God. The life of David is to be an inspiration as well as a warning to us all. An inspiration that with God's help we can do what we are supposed to do, and a warning to remind us that sin often has tragic consequences. Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Family Bible, and I hope and pray that it has been a blessing to you. And I pray that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if the Lord is leading you to salvation right now, all you have to do is yield to him and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins, and he will do so. Thank you very much.